First time I've ever heard that song. Very beautiful and very appropriate. Reminded me of a prayer that Lord Acton uh, wrote on the eve of a battle. Knowing that he was going to be very busy the following day, he said, Lord, thou knowest how busy I am going to be. If I do at all forget thee, forget me not, I pray. Well, I thought of that as I was watching that memorial to the men who are still entombed in the Utah. No one is forgotten. No one is forgotten to God. I want to speak this morning on Saving Private Ryan. How many of you saw the movie? May I see your hand? Oh, many of you. Many of you. A very, very moving movie. In fact, uh, Wall Street Journal wrote an interesting article about the effect it's having on the younger generations, those 40 and below, uh, that some of them have come from seeing that with a whole new appreciation for a generation that went to war to provide the freedoms and the blessings that we now have bestowed upon us in America. And I would recommend no one under 15 or 16 should see it, I don't think. But I think uh, everybody else uh, ought to see it. And particularly those of you uh, who maybe not have been through a war, maybe not Korea or Vietnam. It's just inspiring to see what people do to give us the freedoms and the blessings that we have. We must never take them for granted. Never. Now the film opens with one of the most powerful realistic reenactments of a battle that uh, has ever been filmed according to people who were in that D-Day operation, particularly on Omaha Beach, which was the one that was most devastated and had the highest casualties. Now, when you see the movie, after the first 15 or 20 minutes, which are riveting and what combat is like at its worst, the movie moves to seeing uh, the battle uh, through the eyes of Captain John Miller, who's played by Tom Hanks. He's an outstanding actor. But I just believe that the tremendous job that he did in this movie should, uh, should earn him an Academy Award. It's a magnificent uh, presentation. You could tell his heart and soul uh, were a part of it. Tom Hanks playing the part of Captain John Miller. And then the rest of the film, after the beginning of the battle, on, when they finally got something of a foothold on Omaha Beach, the rest of the film... We see it through his eyes as he leads eight men, eight men to locate and save a private Ryan whom they did not know, had never heard about, knew nothing about him, not a friend of any of theirs. The reason that he was to be saved was because his three brothers had been killed in combat and the, what was then called the war department, the war department got word of that And so they sent word to save Private Ryan, for he would be the only surviving member of the family, having lost three sons already in combat. So here is a private that was to be rescued by these eight men. Now this movie raises a number of interesting moral questions. For one, why are the eight called to risk their life for one man? 
Why were the eight called to risk their life for one man? Not a general, not a colonel, not a lieutenant colonel, not a major, not even a sergeant, not even a PFC, a private, a private. Why would these men risk their lives to save Private Ryan? The other question is, how much is one man's life worth? How much is one man's life worth? How much is one nation's life worth? How much? Spielberg, uh, I think, uh, in this creative genius ability that is his, shows that the only answer possible is because of the commitment of these men, which is hard to communicate on film, but is communicated in life, and all of us are the recipients of such commitment. Captain Miller and the majority of the eight were mortally wounded, mortally wounded, saving Private Ryan. And Captain Miller's final words were these. Earn this, as he looked at Private Ryan, earn this, live a good life, earn this. In other words, he was saying, men have died for you. Men have died for you. Now you live a life worthy of their sacrifice. I will not reveal the uh, conclusion of the movie for I do not want to deprive you of one of the most moving and inspirational uh, messages that you will ever see on film. So we come to the question of why did they do it? Why did millions go to serve? Why did millions do it? In World War II, in Korea, in Vietnam, Saudi Arabia, why did they do it? I can tell you why we did it. Why well, I believe my generation did what it did. We did it because we had an inbred commitment to other people and to the preservation and perpetuation of the land of the free and the home of the brave. Thanks to parents and teachers and the atmosphere of America in those days, we were held captive to a noble ideal that liberty and freedom deserve to be preserved and protected. Many gave their lives. Some of your loved ones gave their lives for people they did not know, for Private Ryan's, figuratively. 
Many of you in this room, as you saw a moment ago, hundreds and hundreds standing, served in the service for people you'll never meet, to protect people that will never know what you did for them. It was an inbred commitment to a noble ideal of freedom and of service to other people. Now, I read a statistic which I hope is incorrect. I hope it's incorrect. And the statistic is this, that 40% of the young people today would not be willing to fight for their country. I hope that's not true. It's inconceivable to me that 1% would be unwilling to die for something that preserves life and freedom and blessing and opportunity in the world. Some men die by shrapnel and some go down in flames, but most men perish inch by inch who play at little games. This was no little game. And so I can imagine there's someone listening here today among someone who will be watching on television or hearing this by tape who say, Buck, now that's crazy. That is simply crazy. I'm not about to spend my life for somebody that I never will know, to save somebody that I've never met. That's crazy. I'm the captain of my fate. I'm the master of my soul, the captain of my fate. I don't need anybody else. And I don't need to help anybody else. I've got mine. Let them get theirs. That's crazy. Well, if you do happen to have that feeling, I want to take you back down a long road. Go back with me a few thousand years to the dawn of recorded history. The fourth book of Genesis. When after God had created the earth, the sun, the sea, the skies, the birds, the animals, he created man, male and female, created he them. And they had children, Adam and Eve, two sons. You know the story, Cain and Abel. And in a fit of anger, resentment, jealousy, bitterness, whatever, Cain killed his brother. He killed Abel. And God comes to him and says, where's your brother? Where's your brother? He's still asking that question, isn't he? Where's your brother? Cain didn't answer him. He avoided the question. He didn't say he's dead. I killed him. He came back with a cynical, sarcastic question. Incidentally, the first question man ever asked God Read it. The first question any human being 
ever addressed to God was what Cain said to God. Am I my brother's keeper? Cynical. Am I my brother's keeper? Then you follow down through the pages of the revealed word of God. You come to Jesus and the incredible story of the good Samaritan and you look at his life and his sacrifice and his commitment to others. Am I my brother's keeper all the way through this Bible rising to a great crescendo of a climax that says, yes, yes, I am my brother's keeper. Martha read me a story from uh, a book. Uh, what is it? Fried green tomato. Chicken soup for the soul. I think this is volume three. We have all of them, I believe. And she read me this story. A true story happened in Seattle relative to the senior Oli- uh, to the to the uh, Special Olympics. Special Olympics, and these handicapped children, you know the senior Olympics, I'll get it right, the Special Olympics. I qualify for both, I think, <laughs> the way my mind is working. Uh, the Special Olympics, I've had some part in it uh, here in the life of our church and in the life of this community. It's a wonderful, marvelous ministry to those children. Well, they were out there to run a hundred yard race. You know, everybody in the Special Olympics wins a medal, but they had this hundred yard race. And so they started off running, some more handicapped than others. And one little boy fell and he started crying. And the others, the other eight stopped and went back And one little Down syndrome girl leaned down and kissed him on the forehead and said, you're going to be better. And then they helped him up and they put their arms around each other and they crossed the finish line together. And the crowd there stood and applauded for 10 minutes. And you hear that story, I hear that story, and it makes me wonder who's handicapped? Who's handicapped? In a world that runs over other people, uses other people, abuses other people, tramples other people to try to get to the finish line first, to receive the gold. Or do we put, each, put our arms around one another and help one another together across the finish line on our way 
to the Father's house. Now this story, Saving Private Ryan, is more than a story about America, though it is a great story about America and about Americans. It's a story about God and us. God and us. Now, you understand, of course, that Private Ryan in that movie represents all of us. You and I are Private Ryan. You and I are Private Ryan. Now, you may be a lieutenant or a colonel or a general, whatever, but in God's sight, we're all equal. And in, in, in combat like that, we're all equal. So we are Private Ryan. Now, in our relationship to God, we are all privates. Now, in the military, there's rank, there's prom- there are promotions, and that's deserved. That's, his way, that's the way it should be. But in God's economy, that's not the way it works. There is no way that by anything we do, we can promote ourselves up to be more spiritual, more Christian, more devoted than someone else. There are no promotions for that. All of us are doing the best we can with what we have in terms of ability. But nevertheless, before God, we are all equal. None of us are closer to God because we preach. None of us are closer to God because we're missionaries. None of us are closer to God because we read our Bible every day in the sense of getting rewards from Bible, from Him. We are rewarded by being blessed by him, but we don't get promotions. We don't get closer to him. We don't get front row seats in heaven. We are all equal. As Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And not only that, let me read you what Paul writes in just the next page or two, the fifth chapter of Romans. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, powerless, without rank, Without influence, without power, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But get this, 8th verse, 5th chapter, great word. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Private Ryan's, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So let me reintroduce myself to myself. May all of us reintroduce ourselves to ourselves. We may have accomplished some things in life, we may receive some acclaim and some rewards. Financial or otherwise. But let's go back to the very base foundation of our life. All of us need to be saved. All of us need to be redeemed. All of us are sinners. We're all just privates. That's all. Now, a word about God. In the movie, Captain Miller reveals in a conversation with some of the eight men with him 
He was not a career military man. He was not a professional military man. He had gone in like many of you, like I, the citizen soldiers, for the duration. Captain Miller had been a teacher, English teacher in high school. Teacher. Teacher. In Hebrew, rabbi. Teacher. Now I want to introduce you to your captain. Not Captain Miller, but Captain Jesus. I want to introduce you through the scripture to Captain Jesus. The captain of the company of the committed. The captain of the company of the redeemed. And I read from Hebrews, the third chapter. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone, for every one of us private Ryans. In bringing many sons to glory, it's all of us. We don't get there on our own. He brings us by his grace. We don't climb our way up. He climbed down to pick us up. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the captain. The best definition of that word. In some translations it says author. The best I believe is this. The authorized version uses this. Should make the captain. The captain of their salvation. Complete. Mature. Through. His. Suffering. Captain Jesus. Gave his life for us private Ryans. And he says to us, take this. Do something with this. Your new life. Take this gift. When we came to San Antonio about 40 years ago now and our children were small and Mike three and Steve about six months and as they got a little older and started going to um, kindergarten, kindergarten close to us was a wonderful kindergarten. I'm sure it still is. was the kindergarten at Christ Lutheran Church over right across the street from Alamo Heights High School, side street there. So our children would go there and we'd go, Martha and I'd go over there for all kinds of events when they were having special chapel programs, when they would uh, invite the parents to come. Just like every week, I go out to the Bugner Fanning School at Mission Springs, our school that we've started. I go out there and do chapel. Well, we invite parents uh, a lot of times to come to be a part 
of those chapel services. Well, Martha and I were over there, and Pastor Manch, he was a pastor at, uh, at Christ Lutheran, wonderful man, a dear close personal friend. He, um, he would tell a Bible story. They would sing. They would do the things that kindergartners do in, in, uh, in kindergarten, in a Christian kindergarten. And then they would do something that just impressed me so very much. First time I saw it, I was just moved, deeply moved. I was moved otherwise. In the future, when I saw it, it always touched me. At Christ Lutheran Church, the stained glass window depicting Jesus is in the rear of the sanctuary, the worship center, like it would be back there. We have this stained glass window here in the front of our sanctuary, our worship center, depicting as a reminder, the person of Jesus. Well, when those children had finished the chapel service, their benediction was to always stand and they would turn around because they'd have to turn around to face that stained glass window. They'd turn around and with their little hands, they'd put it up like they were looking or saluting and they would say this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. They would salute him. And then they would, the organ would begin to play and they'd march out to go back to class. Looking unto Jesus, the captain, the author and finisher of our salvation. Now I want us to do exactly the same thing here this morning in God's kindergarten. I want all of you to stand. And I want all of you to look at this window. And I want you to salute with me, our captain. I want you to look at that window. Turn around. And together we say, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Dear Captain Jesus, we come to repledge ourselves to you today. We want to be good soldiers of the cross, faithful followers of yours. You died for us. May we be what you wanted us to be and do what you wanted us to do. We ask in your loving, redeeming name. Amen. Now I want you to remain standing and let me ask you. Would you like to belong to the company of Jesus Christ? It is the A and O company, Alpha and Omega beginning and end. You can enlist right here this morning if you've never done so. You can say, yes, I want to join up with him. I want to follow him. I want him to be a part of my life. He'll not draft you. He will appeal to you. He will try to enlist you. But it's up to you to say, I will. Will you do it? Maybe to come join this church. Man came forward this morning in the early service. 1941, he went to Canada, not to get away from the war, but because he was too young to join the service in America, he went up there and joined the Royal Canadian Air Force to serve, to protect the world from the despotism of dictatorships. Would you come follow Christ today? Would you come be a part of his company? It's bigger than the usual company, but there's room for you. 
I'll be here to greet you and to welcome you as you respond to the invitation of Captain Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Come, let's sing.